0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com
1: slash weight loss. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Okay,
0: and we're in, we're away. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mischief Makers with me, Dave Hearn. Uh, today, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by another Dave and expert lighting designer, the one and only
1: David Howe. Hello, David. Well, well, hello. Another DH. Yes, but I
0: didn't even notice that. Double DH, oh. DH squared.
1: DH squared. There we go. Yeah.
0: Hello. And so are you a Dave or a David?
1: I think I'm a David. Yeah, I've always
0: thought of you as a David.
1: And you've you've always been a Dave to me. Yeah, I've always been a Dave or just a D.
0: But I don't that's know if that's true. an insult. Yes.
1: <laughs> or, or Mr. Hearn. Yeah, I do get Mr. Hearn a bit, actually, right. Stage managers like Mr. Hearn.
0: Yes, they do. Mr. Hearn to the stage, please.
1: <laughs> Mr. Hearn it's, it's to in the my stage rider. Ag- again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm always disappearing
1: and yes, not even in magic. <laughs> not intentionally. Uh, so yeah.
0: this, uh, this first section is just a- a called a bit about getting to know you, about getting to know David Howe. Um, so why don't you just start telling us a little bit about where you kind of grew up and where you trained and how you got into becoming a, your sort of pathway into being a designer?
1: Sure. I mean, um, I suppose the background is as a child, like literally before my voice broke, I was was big into singing and music and stuff like that, as you know, some people are. I used to sing in church choirs. I used to be in the local amateur operatic society. So we used to do shows and stuff. I can do a mean pickup time step. Um, (laughs) I've
0: um, never seen you do that. I'm going to have to ask you to do that when I
1: see you. Oh, I I do sometimes do it in the middle of the stage when nobody's looking. But, uh, you know, um, but I will show you (laughs) at some point. A mean pickup time step. So, yeah, I used to be, you know, this was when I was like... Uh, between sort of 9 10 11 until my voice started to change but I always music was a big thing in my life so I played instruments and I sung so there's a bit of background so being in the local amdrams we used to do shows in the local theatre so my home hometown (coughs) if you like is Western Supermare which is about 20 miles outside of Bristol um it's a seaside town and they've got a theatre that's there and takes small touring shows. Mm. But the Amdrams the Amdrams used to do their res, regular summer season. So there we are one every week on show doing our on stage doing our show. And over a while I started to enjoy being backstage more. And sure. Um, maybe it's a confidence thing, maybe it's a fact that, I don't know, I just enjoyed seeing how things were put together. You know, the curtain used to come in, people used to run around, reset the furniture, and the curtain used to go back out again. Mm. Um, so I kind of liked all of that sort of stuff. And I started to do more and started to do that on the side of um, uh, being on stage. So i be on stage, then run around, move the furniture around, and then do the next bit. Mm. Um, move that forward. I started thinking I could. I'd like to do this for a job. Um, so you kind of take that into school. You did school productions. You know, A levels. When I was doing A levels, I was doing theatre studies and English literature and a bit of music. Um, again, more school shows or college shows, and then realised that there was a whole world out there in terms of I could go to, uh, say, university drama school as it was. Uh, drama school and um and do this backstage lark, uh lark as um as a pr- profession you know i was really enjoying it
0: and so was it um, specifically lighting or was it more stage
1: management no it wasn't it was it was what they called at the time technical theater so you did a bit of everything hmm. um so my drama school was central school of speech and drama up in uh, swiss cottage i think it's called the royal central now oh, um so. but that course uh it was about mm, 25 of us i suppose in each year There was only two years. And you did a bit of everything. You spent a term in each department. So you did carpentry, you did wardrobe, you did electrics, you did sound. And very quickly I felt like I graduated, sort of graduated, but I felt like I moved into the, into the lighting world. Mm. Uh, so, you know, given the fact that you started as a, a sort of young performer, I was always aware of when the follow spot came onto me. You know. <laughs> uh, um maybe i will i also used to run the follow spot of follow spot in the local theater on occasion you know so it it sort of felt like a really good world and there you go There's through college i was really really lucky i had some amazing opportunities while i was at college i met some really good people part of the college course was it was really we were really encouraged to go and meet people in the industry Mm. um it wasn't very insular um as in, you did everything in house and you never went outside the building. So we were always outside the building. So I, I had really good introduction to the industry. And um, I left college uh, and was very lucky enough to be given uh, two jobs, if you like. First job was part was one of my secondments, if you like. While well, as it being a college had paid off, and someone offered me a job in the real world as soon as I left college to be his assistant on a musical. Nice. Um, which was a production of um, Carousel, Rodgers and Hammerstein Carousel. It was at the Shaftesbury Theatre. Um, it was produced by Cameron McIntosh, sure. Um And that was my first job out of college.
0: Nice. And so what is, what, what's the role of an assistant in
1: that sense? An assistant in that sense... It's changed a lot in, the, in recent years, but an assistant uh, now, and I suppose to a point then, was really doing all the kind of legwork, the paperwork, the looking after the follow-spot operators, telling them what to do, while the designer is busy basically designing the show mm-hmm. in, the, in the tech, tech rehearsal. Um, it's an exciting thing to be there and actually watch another lighting designer do their job, because in the world we live in now, uh, it's very rare to have two lighting designers in a building. You never see someone else work. Like you know there's I mean? only
0: one lighting there's designer only, that exists. There's only, there's only <laughs> you one. You can bit. never see them in the same room.
1: Well, no, that's right. Yes, <laughs> and there's a, there's only one director in the room. If you see another director in a the theatre, you think why 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 are they here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's very um, true.
1: So actually, it's an amazing opportunity as an assistant to watch uh, another person do their have their craft, uh, make their craft, do their craft. So I was lucky that I had an amazing opportunity there. And I continued to do that for another, I suppose, 10 years, or, um, working with a number of designers, drawing plans for them, uh, being in the theatre for them, you know, working on stuff, both in the West End and, and on, on tours. Alongside of all this, you, 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 I told you I was lucky. I was very lucky. I was also offered a job to work with a lighting company, um, supply company called White Light. Mm. Who are the big supplier? One of the big suppliers in London for rental and sales. Um, And so, if anyone who doesn't know, you know, the the rental side of it is basically any West End theatre or youth touring shows. They don't own the equipment; um, they rent them all. So, all the equipment comes in in trucks and is loaded into the theatre. And basically, if the show's touring, it moves around every week. So, there is a huge market and a huge turnover of equipment around around the country. Um, so I used to work for work for them for ten years, as well as going out and doing uh, assistant work. Um, so I got an amazing kind of grounding in what the industry is, and yeah, I think and
0: all kinds of facets of it of the kind of more well, practical yes, I mean, side and the more creative yeah,
1: side. I, I, I think that's what it is, and and you know, I've seen various questions from people in the last couple of days saying, you know. Your the work in the, as part of a designer. What does it involve? And it is it is understanding not only what is trying to be created on stage, both creatively, but it's also the logistics. It's the, um, the practicalities of putting a show together, um, the money side of putting a show together. All of which is an important part of what I do. It's not mm. just making making the scene, the blue switching the blue lights on and turning the yellow lights off.
0: Because I think you, you sort of mentioned that the, a lot of the equipment is, yeah, it's like hired or rented out. I imagine that that's quite a big consideration for you, depending on the, the way in which you want to design a show. Because if you have an unlimited budget, I imagine you can kind of be as creative as you like. But actually, the real challenge for a designer is going, no, we can only afford... Certain amount of running costs and certain amount of lights, there has to be compromise or negotiation at some
1: point. That's it, that is totally what I do. And um, sometimes you could be working on a show and you think this is a huge show and there's a big budget, um, and you still are worried, you still come, it still comes down to um, uh, pennies or pounds at the end of the day to try and mm-hmm. make what you want to achieve on stage possible. And it is always a compromise. And sometimes the compromises really help you because if you had everything if you were given everything you ever wanted, you probably wouldn't have time to use it because you've got too much. Mm-hmm. And B, you might come up with a with a very sensible and safe option. And really you want perhaps to be trying something new or you know, we, we often have happy accidents in our world.
0: Yeah. You know, and in
1: the same way as a performer will, you know, you try something and you think, oh, this is never going to work, but you try it and you go, that really works. So I, I do the same. You know, you might switch something on or, or you see something move in the theatre and you think, wow, that's, that, that would just be perfect for this moment later on. So, you know, it's a happy accident. So it, it is all about balancing the kind of the, the practicality with the, the wish list um, and the budget
0: yeah, I imagine there's uh, there's probably like a, a kind of really fun creative side of it that you can kind of engage with and then there's a, there's occasionally just sort of sitting in front of a, a spreadsheet or a production meeting and just being like, okay, here's here are my restrictions. But I suppose oh, trying I- to thrive within those.
1: Yeah, totally. It, 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 sometimes it becomes spreadsheet management. And sometimes it be, you put the spreadsheet to one side, and you go like, like, please, let's not think about the spreadsheet for two seconds. Let's think about what would be creatively the best thing here. Mm.
0: Yeah, and, what can we achieve if we did have unlimited money? And
1: then, yeah, or there. unlimited time or unlimited resources. It's not always about money. It's also about time. You know, you've got mm. to, you've got to balance with, the fact that you load into the theatre on the Monday morning and you open on the Wednesday, you can only you can achieve so much in that time. Yes, and that's true. You've got to know what you you've got to know what you can achieve in that time, so you don't overpromise or underpromise to the other creatives in the room.
0: Mm. And I suppose as well, like there's probably an element of um, something that I've kind of realised have been fortunate enough to do several West End shows now is that we get, you know, four to six weeks rehearsal and you can sit in on those rehearsals and you can sit in on those creative meetings and you can talk about things and you can have lighting plans and you can kind of plan everything as much as you can. But actually the reality of, of your job and, and the guys actually rigging the lights and setting everything up is that you only really have that tech period, which is often only a few days. That's your kind of rehearsal, isn't it, in a way?
1: Yeah, I mean that's it was, yeah. My rehearsal, it's also my time to experiment, and mm. unlike the rehearsal room, um, where you've got, as you say, four weeks of uh, thinking about how you do a scene or how this how this scene works, and maybe if we take th- those lines and put them at the end of the scene, and then these lines, but you know, moving it around. My, 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 my process of uh, experimentation is generally done in front of probably the whole cast, the <laughs> stage management team, the producers sitting in the stalls, the directors sitting in the stalls, all looking at the stage going, oh, you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 which is which which is fine um because you you know i it's it's no it's no problem in fact it, it it's just very exposing and you don't necessarily get a chance to experiment um without anyone seeing it you know and it or depends how or, it, it or commenting on it and and yeah. you know every, you know the, the 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 more shows we do the more shows we 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 all understand each other's processes you know um we we see things we see, see things develop we see how you know the same way we see scripts develop mm. um you know i've seen you guys up on stage um you know we we work a scene we rehearse a scene in in a tech uh we've all done our bits i've done some lighting changes the sound guys have done theirs the set moves and da, da da and then there's a conversation and we go oh maybe if we don't do this bit of the scene but we cut from here to here We do this bit, and then we put another lighting change in there to make it feel like this. And suddenly, the whole thing has changed. And we have to be we have to be nimble on our feet, and all be versatile and change the lighting, or change the set, change change the way of approach. Um, So I find it I find it exciting as well. I find that really exciting.
0: And is that part of how you um, plan out uh, from kind of even before you get into the tech about where you're kind of physically going to have what lights rig to wear, so that you have a certain because you know you are going to need a certain amount of flexibility in the room. That actually, yes. if you constrict yourself too much, then you, I, I you then become yeah. a problem.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. I mean, my my process in terms of design. Yes, I will look at each scene in terms of what it will look like and have a, a very strong idea about what I am trying to achieve with each the look of each scene in conjunction with what the set design has done, what the costume design has done what anyone else is trying to achieve, you know. Um, I, so I'll have that sort of idea in my head, mm. but I'm so conscious of uh, what happens if we suddenly decide to do this, what happens if we suddenly decided that. Flexibility is, is one of the biggest things. Um, and, you know, I will therefore choose lights that maybe give me the flexibility to change things quickly whether it be someone putting a ladder up very quickly and running up and making an alteration to a fitting, uh, or a light fitting, you know, suddenly that changes the look of it and, and that's easy or it's a moving light. And I just ask the programmer to make an adjustment and suddenly the color changes. And we're, you know, we're in a different, we're a different vibe entirely. So it, 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 that becomes down to the practi- practicality of it. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time probably looking over the plans going, if I put something here, how do I get to it? Um, if it was there, uh, what happens if we suddenly move the scene downstage right instead of downstage left? Oh, well, that's a moving light. That's easy. That can just be adjusted. But if <clears> it's a fixed light and I've spent some time focusing it, then that will be a problem in terms of making that happen quickly. Because time, time is money. You know, we're all sitting in the theatre where the theatre is not full of people um It doesn't start making money until people sit down and start paying to come in and see it. So we don't want to be sitting there for weeks while I figure out where a downstairs left and downstairs right is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as well, like, there is, in terms of time, have you ever been, um I guess, like, I, I don't want to sort of insinuate conflict actually, but I was going to say, have you ever been kind of like wrong footed or, um, do you have to, how closely do you have to work with kind of other designers? Because so, you are lighting somebody's set or somebody's costume. And if you kind of get something that maybe you didn't expect, do you have to adapt quickly? Or is that kind of more of an open conversation that you have with the other creatives?
1: Um, I have been, I'm not wrong footed. I think you're right. Uh, I think everyone is different. We all create things in different ways. So we, we take on board what the other designers do. Um, I have sometimes said to designers, "You've given me a a white set, a completely white set, and you're asking me to make it dark. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how that works." Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, yeah, but but, 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 yeah. But if we kind of tone it down slightly, or can and instead of this sort of fabric being completely white, maybe it is something like this, and I might make some suggestions. I said, "Look, it's completely your choice because you're your set, but." If you did this, then I can do this, and I can respond to it in this way. Hmm. Um, and I, I think you know, it's it's a it's a conversation. It's 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 collaborative. You know, yeah, you what, can, what we do has to be collaborative in the same way that I collaborate with with you folk on stage. No matter who you know, whether uh, it be mischief or anyone else, it's about work. All of us working as a team to get to the end result that we want, and it isn't about. My lights, your set, someone else's costumes, um, mm. uh, the choreographer's steps—it's all got to be seamless, and it's all got to be blended together to make the one cohesive thing.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think something that we've always, I guess, tried to do uh, at Mischief, and probably not always succeeded, but it's an aim, is to try and kind of encourage compromise across kind of all departments and just be like, you know, if there's something we can do to help realise a costume designer's vision or a set designer's vision or the director's vision. I think the only thing that we kind of uh, very rarely back down on or or that we're not willing to compromise on is going, basically every moment has to be geared towards making this as funny as possible. And so, like, we all individually might have to make sacrifices creatively if we're trying to make this as funny as possible because that's ultimately the end game. But I think, yeah, trying to cultivate an environment um, what well, compromise sounds like quite? Do you know what I mean? It sounds like it's quite down. It's quite down environment, but sort of <laughs> loving everyone's ideas.
1: Yeah, yeah. but I, I don't think you're. I don't think that that is any different. That whole ethos is any different to um, any any other production process I've worked mm. on. It's always, you know, obviously you're doing a, a, a tragedy. You're not trying to make it as funny as possible, but you're all trying to to come together, to make that production the best it can be. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you guys, I mean, we should probably, I should probably say what I've done with you guys. So I've got sort of, we've got some sort of background here in terms of yes. show, yeah. shows and stuff. Because I mean, I, I, you know, I work for other people as well, which is fabulous. And that means I can hopefully bring some of the skills I've learned with other people and mm. other shows because it, it, it's all it's all it's all amazing experience, I think. And you know, other questions people have asked me recently is like, what experience do you have? And you, well, you bring it. You bring a little bits from from everything you do, whether you be doing an opera or um, whether you be doing a, you know a, a Shakespeare somewhere. It, it's mm. all experience that comes along and adds to the adds to the the, the melting pot of ideas that you can pull on. You know.
0: And so, yeah, tell us a bit about how you came to work with Mischief and the the projects you've done.
1: So I think I think it's going back and you're going to have to help me with the dates here. But I think (laughs) somewhere around December 2015, which is, I think, when you opened Peter Pan in the West End for the first time.
0: The Apollo, yeah. I think it was the Apollo
1: because that is the first day I, somewhere in that on somewhere around that time when you opened Peter Pan, I was called into a meeting, uh, whereby Kenny Wax, Mark Bentley, and Henry Henry and Jonathan, Mm. um, as they were looking for a lighting designer for a comedy about the bank robbery, uh, which was going into the criterion. So I got th- I got that interview because uh, I was, had been working with, and I've worked with a lot, uh, the lovely David Farley, set designer. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so he kind of suggested me as a as a potential lighting design for this project. So I met with these this guy these guys in Kenny Wax's office, uh, we had an amazing conversation, and it was fun. And they said, "Would you like to join us on this on this show?" And I said fantastic and i think you then went into rehearsals in january so i probably met you the rest of you probably in the january time of yeah, 2016, yeah, yeah.
0: 2016 and yeah, then
1: right. the show opened march april um and as we know continued until um middle of last year yeah 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 um various options or various versions of the show we stay we stayed there but we sort of did options of the show um, or versions mm. of the show rather um but very successful um we did a uk tour of it i think in august 2018 yes um, i was
0: briefly on that tour in fact
1: oh you um, did that's right <laughs> yes i've forgotten <laughs> yeah. about that yeah 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 because uh, i, 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 a... I, I someone know, did their
0: did leg in Sean, someone broke the hand i think that's right, um, yes. And, yeah, I came in uh, came in very last minute to uh, cover for four or five weeks,
1: maybe. And then there was also times where I think you were all on and off the West End version. Um, yeah, covering, in various degrees. Because covering, covering, it, it's funny, as a, as a lighting designer, you get this. I mean, for those people out there who are listening and interested, you kind of, as a lighting designer, you get a show report, every single performance of every show that you're involved with. So you do get to see from the stage manager little comments about, oh, so and so had broken their hands. So certain so Mr. David Hearn came in this evening and did a performance. Da, 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 da. Uh, he forgot these lines and he forgot this bit. And you know. Um, so you that, do get to
0: see probably it. most of the report when I'm on. Too.
1: Yeah, it probably was actually, yeah. <laughs> due to that. Due to him forgetting the lines, Mr. So and so then forgot to do this. Um, <laughs> but it was it is funny because you do you do get to sort of you have a connection with the show even though you're not there in the building. Mm. Because again, you know, to our people out there, once a lighting design has, once we've opened a show, as in press night, generally your role is complete because it's then being looked after on a day-to-day basis by the uh, stage management team and the lighting team in the theatre or the touring team. Um, so it kind of runs and runs. And I go back and see things and then I can give notes and I sort of say, what happens if we can we tighten this up? Cause this has changed a little bit. So it, it's a, it's a really interesting process, creating something. And I'm sure you found this Dave, when you've created a role and then gone back to see it with someone else performing it, how mm. that, how the little changes that everyone makes, um, uh, you know, change the production in some ways, but it, it, to their good normally.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting seeing um, either yourself coming back into a role or, watching other people do it particularly with shows like the play that goes wrong where i've seen dozens of people play that part and actually yeah it's really nice to one of my favorite things actually was watching understudies do stuff because you Mm. you you suddenly see something that you go um it's never about you know someone being better or worse or whatever but you're just watching somebody else do it and go oh wow i literally never even thought of that i never even my brain never even went there, so I'm, I'm definitely stealing that. Or yeah. like, there's loads of stuff that you kind of see, having had distance from it, that you come back and go, oh, actually, that, that bit works much better than I thought it did. Or what was I thinking? Why did we put this in? We should definitely change that. And suddenly things become a bit more obvious.
1: Yeah, no, I, I do know. I I think I do the same. I think I I can go back and see something. and go, why did I do that? What was what was that about? What was I thinking at that time? And you know, maybe there's an opportunity for, for me to make a change, to make a correction. Uh, mm. it, it, it's 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 a once you've opened a show, it doesn't have to be the final product. It it can always move on. You know. Um, yeah,
0: I think that's one of my favorite things about theater was, and we were pretty clear. I think probably with with you guys as well with, on bank robbery and. We have been on kind of uh, subsequent productions that we're sort of going. We work. We use the previews as a as a kind of trial period to you know, particularly during shows like Grown ups and stuff. We made huge rewrites in those yeah. four weeks, but then actually once we've opened after press night, we're going. It's not. It's not done. Do you know what I mean? With I think oh. with the, particularly with a farce, it has to constantly evolve. Oh no! I mean, um,
1: totally, totally, and I I remember those. Periods, you know, when we've have been in previews, and that's you know we're, we've we're working on the show every day. Every single bit of the show has the ability of being changed, and then we can do it that night, or we can um, we can save something up and, and put it in at the end of the week. You know, whatever it's 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 exciting stuff. And then post opening, when you get a very stable response from the audience that they're not laughing at this bit or this bit doesn't seem to work, then we can fix it again.
0: Mm. And actually, I suppose with that opening, um, I can't I can't remember who said it, but I th- uh, it was like uh, to do with lighting. It was like, you know, comedy should be bright. Tragedy should be dim kind of uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> sort of yeah. speaking quite black and white terms. But yeah. Do you find um, I wonder if. Yeah. Do you find after the show is open? Because I always say things like the the audience are the best directors. Like they'll tell you very, very quickly if something is funny or not. Do you find that you can help, particularly in mischief shows like the rhythm of a joke or the button of a joke" or the, the can you influence do you feel that the lighting can influence the way that a joke is received by the audience?:
1: I, I totally think so. I totally mm. think so. Any, any, I think my, my background in music probably helps that, because you mm. can hear the rhythm of the joke coming. Dumpty 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 Dum De Dumpty Dumpty Dum. De Dumpty 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 There's your <laughs> punchline. Yeah. So do you have a beat and then a blackout? Do you let the scene gently fade out? Do you there is there are ways and means to uh, affect the audience's response. Um, like as a singer would be doing, it would be a big finish of the big number, all the lights build, and then there's a snap at the end. Mm. There, 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 there's, there is a, there's a definite way, and I think that's why you have to be on the same page as what goes on on stage. And the yeah. more time you spend in rehearsal, the more you hear that rhythm.
0: Well, I think definitely that's what we've discovered, um, particularly with our scripted shows, but actually more so in the last four or five years with Mischief Movie Night and how that's kind of evolved is... We've always uh, wanted someone uh, confident, experienced or whatever on the actual desk operating the lights because we figured out very quickly, we're just like, oh, huge, huge amounts of the rhythm of the show is dictated by the lights because we can end scenes and we can walk off and we can kind of go back to... The Oscar character, but actually, there's nothing more satisfying than, like you say, you hear that rhythm, you hear that rhythm, bang, the music cuts, you get a killer line, a joke, blackout, and yep. you're probably likely because of that blackout get a round of applause, even if the end yep. of the scene is actually quite weak. <laughs> if the rhythm, <laughs> if the rhythm works with the yeah. blackout, then it's it's great because you sort of, you can just hear that rhythm and it's really it's yeah it's so important I found particularly that, the people that. Are on the
1: desk. That's it. I mean let let us let, I let's I'm just so everyone just to follow the follow because this it, is great this com this sort of conversation because we're sort of it's just like we were sitting in a room uh we are sitting in a room chatting with each other rather <laughs> than making rather than making something that's um, a complete linear line. But let's just jump back for two secs Because I think just to finish the timeline of shows off, um after So Mischief Movie Nights, I think, came along 2017 when, when I first did that with you guys at mm. the Arts Theatre. Yes. Now, yeah, yeah. I'd like to say that you produced that. That's right. Yes, you were one of the producers.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. I, me, Charlie, and Shields were the producers from the Mischief right. side, yeah.
1: So that was 2017. That, play, that was in the West End for the sort of uh, couple of three months or so. Then I think we did a UK tour of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and then, then, as a secret little thing in some of the venues um there was some new material being trialed, which was for the magic goes wrong,
0: yes, yeah, yeah, so that
1: was, kind of, that, that was kind of that was kind of the secret secret rehearsals and secret you know the audience was told well, if you want to hang around after the interval, we'll show you some material that yes. we're, we're <laughs> they're kind of working on. <laughs> And the thing is, I've got the video. I know what it looked like.
0: Oh, have you still got that? Oh you, wow, yeah. We all I'm saying is it. you dressed oh, as a
1: penguin. We... You dressed up as a penguin.
0: Oh was... yeah. Because we had a uh, character called Vanessa the Immortal, didn't we? Which was um that you was had ones. in that. <laughs> yeah, there was the weird <laughs> penguin stuff. Yeah, because the blade <laughs> didn't exist at that point.
1: No. And no.
0: there was no bear and spit's mouth. We had Mind Mangler as Fisticari, didn't we? That stuff was yep. pretty i remember we started that with like 20 minutes of material by the end we had like an hour and 10 and yeah, it, it, <laughs> the audience was it, it, were like was how long is this now we told it was just like a 20 minute sketch
1: yeah we thought it was a sketch show <laughs> and actually it's a whole full-length production in itself yeah, um, yeah. but that's where magic goes wrong came out of which so that opened in 2019 just to finish off the sort of the sort mm. of history of it all um but you, if we if we want to jump back and we were talking about mischief movie nights and the improv side of things, mm. um, and and operating and stuff, and uh, picking up one of the questions I sort of saw on Twitter, it was how do you design an improvised show? And yeah, um, it it's it's fun. It really is fun. But it was a real real. Head scratch when I came to this because I I sort of said to them, I said to you guys I remember I sitting in the room so how does it work you know what what, <laughs> what what structure and what isn't structure is there a secret to it you know and you and you guys said no there's absolutely no nothing to it yes the show has a start and but that's about it um, so how do you start from that you know and um, I remember watching some videos. That I think um, uh, Henry sent me of uh, lights, camera, action, which is what it used to be called when you're up in Edinburgh. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and Old that was school. just one state of light, you know, the lights came on and you did the show for the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, mm. So, how do you move that forward? Give it some sort of shape and dimension. So, what I did in comb- combination with my amazing programmer, Ed, um, we came up with a, a structure where we had a, a touch screen in front of us where we had created some scenarios, not knowing what you guys were going to do, but some scenarios in terms of space. So we say, mm. this is outdoors. These, this this lighting state is outdoors. This lighting state is for sci-fi. This lighting state is for angry war, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all sorts of really bizarre, random yeah. things that we would have there. And that would be our starting point. Um, so you push this touchscreen, but rather than having lots of buttons to push, which makes it complicated for anyone who's operating, we just had scenarios. And we could then modify those scenarios by changing color, by changing gobos on the on the sky cloth at the back, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And we found that the best way, it was terrifying to operate, absolutely terrifying to operate because the speed at which you go at is in terms of we're going to go over here, we're going to go there. It is just terrifying. Yeah, Um, I
0: remember several operators have said the same thing. It's just like, it's just impossible to keep up. And it's like, yeah, you just got to smash buttons, hope
1: for the best. And it is smash buttons and hope for the best, but you need the right person, as you said about five Mm. minutes ago. And what what I was going to say is, I think the, the best person to do that role is a stage manager, yeah. a stage manager who's used to being hearing the cadences in people's voices. It's not a lighting operator's job to, to do that show. It's a stage manager's job because they're, they're processing what you're saying, not wondering why you are in the, the downstage left light needs to come on now and do that. They're going, oh, they're moving over there. So I need to put these lights up or I need to put those lights up.
0: Yeah, it's more kind of instinctual than it's completely. Uh, following a
1: sheet. Yes, absolutely, and that's it. It's so it, it's exciting to see it done. And you know, my job is then not about creating each look; it's about giving the stage manager or the operator a palette of ideas and story-making things that can help uh, add to what you're doing on stage.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's a sort of toolbox, isn't it, rather than a, a kind of set of lights. It's a sort of yeah, yeah it's a storytelling device. A and and of the storytelling,
1: the storytelling device can be: it's a snap blackout, it's mm. a, a slow blackout, it's a blackout that doesn't take all the lights out, but just maybe goes to the the, the psych at the back, the, the you know sky cloth. Uh, mm. it, it can be all of this this language thing, and that can be programmed into the computer uh, for the ease of operation. Um, And so, therefore, it's 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 fun. Um, so actually, doing it is every show is different. And the only comments I can have when I go back and see it is, I can say to the to the stage manager who's operating, I say, look, maybe think about, you know, give the give her more of an idea, or her, him or her an idea, and say maybe maybe think more uh, theatrically if you are in this scenario. Maybe think mm. f- more theatrically. put the footlights in, you know, go for the bold looks. Don't try and be subtle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think bold is always best with that show. And I think, yeah, because um, yeah, it sort of sounds like actually you're you're kind of doing two jobs there, aren't you? You're, you're designing lights as you would for, for any, any theatre show to facilitate uh, your own vision or a director's vision or a particular moment on stage. But you're also, you have a practical job to go, okay, how do I make this as flexible and easy as possible to operate yes that you you don't want someone rapidly on a keyboard trying to slam in loads of cues to kind of keep jumping around actually no. you need to come up with a, a practical way to do it and I suppose yeah there aren't I don't know if there are many other shows that kind of do that you
1: know there, I, don't, I don't think there really are and um, that's why it was kind of a bit of a head scratch to get it but when we got it it, it became we've used that footprint that we created in 2017. Mm. And mm. we continue to use it now because obviously uh, b- a bit of history for everyone that we've sort of did it in 2017. It then toured and then went away into the box for a bit, but then has come back various times for one off specials mm. um, and then recently came back. Um, so at the end of 2020 for the 10 days or whatever, we were allowed to do shows again in the West End. Yeah. Um, and then we moved it online into the streaming version mischief movie night in um and so then we we turn it into a streaming version which is the 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 difference is it's the same show but it's just created differently we had to create a studio um we moved the show out of the theater into this studio that we sort of made and we still had to sort of do the same sort of thing but within a tv context
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this actually kind of brings us on to the, the next section, which is we've sort of kind of dipped in and out, which is the, the questions from, from the web, people who have sent stuff in. Um, and while we're actually on this, Alex asks uh, what was designing the lighting for the bunker like in, uh, as opposed to kind of difference to a, a theatre? How does that um, – yeah, what's the kind of difference for that smaller kind of studio environment as opposed to a, a grand West End theatre?
1: <laughs> it was – it was it, Well, there were, there were lots of logistical issues with this because, A, it came along incredibly quickly. I think one day I, nothing was happening, and then two days later it was, oh, can, you, can we come to a meeting tomorrow? And by the way, it's going in next Tuesday, mm. um, which was all, you know, with Christmas and a lockdown happening at the same time, meant it was logistically tough to get it done in the time. Uh, plus, we were going into a space... Um, the the mischief movie night bunker is a fundamentally a bar um, yeah. <laughs> that being created created by uh, an immersive theatre company um, in a space in the West End in the, in just off Oxford Street. So we were coming into a space that was already inhabited by another show, effectively a load of tables and a bar area and mm. their own drapes and their own lighting. Um, and we had to sit within that completely uh, separate to that. Um, obviously, they weren't using it because they were shut down, but we were able to do it because we were um, making, I say TV, but we obviously know it's streaming. Mm. Um, so we were able to sit inside that. So it, it logistically, it became where can we put stuff? And the answer was nowhere. So we have to build things. (laughs) We have to put truss up. We have to put stands up. We have to make it work. Plus, we have to light for six cameras. Yeah. Um, Now, the difference between stage and and, uh, streaming is that if you're sitting in the theatre looking at the audience member, looking at the stage, you're looking at the constant wide shot of the stage. So Mm. the lighting when we for instance in, in mischief movie night we jump to the character oscar who is the kind of director uh, um uh character who sort of intervenes a lot um uh and then uh, everything freezes on stage and he says something and then we go back to the story because he's generally commenting or help move the story forward mm. so in the theater version we the the, the the fact that the lights change and we're looking at oscar moves the audience's attention to to Oscar on streaming, then, or on a camera, the, obviously the director, the vid, the TV director will cut to Oscar. And therefore we don't necessarily need to make a big change every mm. time. So you're having to just sort of change from the, I'm doing the direction of where people are looking in the theatre, but um, in, the, in the streaming world, you know, we've got to um, support it in other ways. Mm. Um, giving everyone what they need to see from the camera perspectives plus giving it some uh, atmosphere without you know a dark a dark night on camera doesn't work necessarily as well as it does in the theater
0: yeah so yeah, it's yeah. about
1: finding the language so again our, 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 our footprint that we created back in 2017 had to be modified and we've now got a tv version of it where you know perhaps a dark night is not necessarily dark it's it's um more cloudy shall we say <laughs>
0: yeah
1: an overcast overcast you know. night with maybe a few stars that come out on the on the back cloth you know yeah um, yeah yeah it, 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 so it, it's so it's really it's really interesting to do and you spend a lot of time looking at various monitors and going is that what we're seeing oh that's the wide shot that's the close-up let's change this let's do that so it's a lot of trying things out mm. um and sometimes the only times you get to try them out because it's improvised is when it's going live to however many thousand people at, at any time. So you're you're constantly looking at a screen and making adjust, adjustments.
0: Yeah, well, that actually kind of brings us on to Adrian's question when he asks, uh, what's the most important skills um, for a lighting designer to design an improv show? Like what are the kind of more difficult aspects of the job? And I suppose you've, you've touched on them briefly already with the, the idea of, Actually, the designer and the operator are, are very, very key, but they also have two very different jobs. Um, but from a design perspective, what's the kind of key thing that you think to to a young budding lighting designer who's been asked to do an improv show? What advice would you give?
1: Don't be too fussy. Don't be try. Don't do anything too specific. That as you as you said earlier, that you know perhaps you'll never need. Make mm. big broad statements if it's a if it's a, a wooded wooded glade and you can afford some gobos that break up the light go for it stick them on you know let's have lots of them not just one or two that don't mm-hmm. really read it has to be bold so just um, sort of
0: yeah, brave bravery bold
1: brave statements you know don't be too subtle the if the psyche is um a blue let's make it a dark blue let's make it a bright red let's make it an orange don't be trying to be too subtle about things
0: yeah and i suppose that complements the performance style because i don't think it's very subtle either
1: (laughs) really what do you mean
0: (laughs) we we try we try but i think uh, yeah the whole thing is just like quite broad and bold it's like yeah it requires quite a lot of attack i think
1: Yeah, it is. It is an attack. It's a controlled attack because everything Mm. you guys do is very controlled because you know you. Whilst you don't know what you're going to do when you do it, it's a very it's a very strong uh, Mm. attack. Um, And I think I suppose I suppose we I do the same. I'm I'm nervous about it, but when we when I do it, it's it generally feels like it's the, the right sort of language is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you make a mistake, in the same way the performer makes a mistake or feels like they're going down the wrong, wrong track, I always say to the to our stage manager operator, change it. Don't be afraid. Don't be stuck with something that you're going to regret or looking is not looking great on camera. If you need a bit more light, bring that light in.
0: Mm. Yeah, because you can kind of get away more, I think, particularly with this you know, about kind of seeing the cogs and the mechanics of the show. And I think actually there's something really delightful about, watching a, a, a lighting change a lighting shift and feeling that there's somebody else making decisions making offers not
1: just Ab- the guys on stage absolutely and and i always again i say to the operator and it's about giving them the confidence to do it that they don't feel that they have to do the best performance they have to do the best performance all the time but they don't if they don't <laughs> if they if they if they miss their own um they miss their own they don't think they're doing a great job they can make it better And I think Mm. that's what the most important thing is to do is to give them that ability to change it. And by that, I've got to have the right things in the air to make it to change it with, you know? Um, Yeah. You know, if, if those four lights that do the front light aren't bright, aren't bright enough, then that's my fault. They can't make it any better. (laughs) So maybe I have some better lights in better positions that, that, that do the work. Um, uh, And I think the you know let's say there were eight people on stage there are two musicians nine ten there is uh, five four camera guys there is a stage manager they're all contributing the same they're all contributing to that performance it's not just the eight people on stage
0: mm. yeah there's a there's a they're all huge
1: giving name. a performance
0: yeah yeah and helping kind of build that story
1: yeah um so I think it's about go back to the question. I think it's it's about being making bold bold choices and having the um, having the guts to go with it. Yeah, yeah, and make it true. make it better. Make it better if it doesn't work. Make it better. You know, um,
0: it's, very, it's very like, true
1: do, it's, like it's like we do. In, it's like well, it's like like what we, we do in the theatre anyway. You know, we're we're working on a show. We're in previews, so we're changing it every day. We are making it better every day. We're throwing things out. We're changing things that we've been we've been talking about for weeks about how we're going to do it. And then when we see it, we go, this isn't working. What can we do to make this better?
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think um, just to kind of shift the trajectory slightly from bold, broad statements to more nuanced statements, oh. um. Catriota asked the question: Did the lighting design for Magic Goes Wrong have to be worked out in consultation with Pennantella and presumably Ben Hart as well, so that it shows/slash hides tricks as required? So I imagine that's quite a tricky balance.
1: It, it it is because I'm kind of I'm really intrigued by magic anyway. I've always been interested in the same way I quite enjoyed standing backstage watching watching a show when I was young going on you know seeing seeing everything that goes on behind or you know what the audience don't see. So I've always been intrigued with that. Um, so actually to work with uh, as you, as you rightly say uh, the lovely Ben Hart uh, and Penn um, and by, uh, although he wasn't in the theater but you know by remote control um, mm. is to, to, to see what they want me see what they, hear what they want the audience to see, and see with my own eyes what I don't want the audience to see Mm. um so yes it's incredible lots of things we kind of want we need to do something that either pulls the eye away from that or doesn't focus on that for that moment but then after that it's fine so it's how do you get away with it so yeah it was it was really interesting really interesting because so many things are so out there how it's done is right in front of you you just don't see it because a the skill of the performer um or b that we're just looking elsewhere at the time then when something magical happens
0: yeah and i think like there's there was a lot of uh, i was quite surprised actually about how much of it i remember speaking to ben and and to pen actually in how much of it comes together in the tech because obviously in the in the room you know it's it's as an actor it's completely exposing because you're in a room full of people who essentially know how all of the tricks are done and yep. you're just being lit by whatever strip lights yeah. are in the room um, yep. and you're just completely exposed and actually there's there's a very uh, a nice feeling of, of, of confidence when you get into the theatre and you see that you're on stage and there's darker areas that you're like, oh, I can kind of escape or I can kind of hide parts yeah. of the, the trick in these areas. And yeah. I suppose for you, did you watch quite a lot of the magic rehearsal in the end just so you kind of got the shape oh, of I the did. tricks?
1: I, I I did I mean, I even videoed them, so I actually you know i I often video rehearsals because I can mm. then whilst I can take so much in when you're watching it fly by in front of you in a rehearsal room, but then coming back home and then working through at each moment going, right, so this is what happens. that's what happens there, Yes, 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 you know you you get a sense i can I can actually put together a lot of the um, the logistics and the practicality of it away from being in the rehearsal room. So, yes, Mm. I did. I I always watch a lot of what goes on. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about it without giving away certain tricks here, but I do remember a moment where Penn came up on stage and gave a complete masterclass to Nancy, who was playing Bear, Mm. uh, going into the cannon-firing trick.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Because Bear, Bear and Spitzmouse kind of do a little section in front of the front tabs, and they go through the tabs, and the tabs open, and, and uh, one climbs into the cannon, and one, um, one climbs into the cannon. Um, and then suddenly we're, we're, there's a trick happens, and, yeah, without spoiling it, um, mm. Penn came up on stage and gave a complete masterclass on how to do something and a, a thing. Uh, and I remember watching that, thinking this is the one, the be- one of the best magicians in the world, giving us a masterclass.
0: Yeah,
1: and it wasn't about lighting. It didn't. It wasn't about how it was lit. It was just the timing and how how everything in the tech stopped for us for that moment. And it was it was just a joy to watch. Yeah. I'm not sure if you were there that day or No, I was.
0: I, I know exactly the moment that you're talking about and I know exactly yeah. why it's quite hard to say yes. in detail.
1: <laughs> but but it, it was it's about that tech process. And mm. you know, I find the tech process some people get very stressed at it because it's always oh, God, it's the time where everything has to be proven. Y- mm. Yes it is, and you do, and that's kind of what we have to do. But it's also the most creative time. Because yeah. It, 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 the, the nuances of what what you you know as a performer you do something in that tech I respond to what I see and I've changed the timing on a cue or a lighting change you know um, uh, it, it, it's such an exciting time uh, for to putting the little nuances and, and thing and, and the rhythm into the show Mm. so go back to what we we're talking about blackouts in the end of scenes you you guys come on and do something that in the rehearsal room they've never done but you do it and it goes like that's it that's the energy for the end of the scene that takes us into the next bit or yeah. um henry lewis coming down as the mind mangler he did the way he walks and the way he stopped felt like there was a change at the end of that him walking downstage to his play on music and that became mm-hmm. a lighting change Uh, that in the rehearsal room perhaps I never really saw because he just kind of walked on and said his said his lines yeah but he did something and that you know and that's the exciting bit because you you look at it and you go this is I can now layer this this is this is exciting
0: yeah and I think I think you're right I think I find I think text can get quite stressful because I think particularly for actors because because we're not involved necessarily with all of the stuff that's going on and you just have to trust that you know there's minutes and minutes of silence but in that silence people are working and i think one of my favorite things about tech is that it's often quite um it should be quite a calm environment but i think the reason there's tension is because it's it's the few days or however long you've got and where you have the excitement of realizing what is and is not possible because I yes. think everything in the in the rehearsal room, particularly with our shows, is only ever until the day that we do the tech, and then the day that we do the dress run, and then the day that we actually open it into an audience. All of that stuff is only really working in theory. And actually, yeah. a, a a tech is a really good and exciting opportunity to be like, well, that thing that we've just spent six weeks figuring out, we we've just realised in ten seconds is never going to happen. <laughs>
1: yeah 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 yeah. i mean it's the same i i see it often is when you when you have um, a director and designer explaining a model to a company at the film the first day of rehearsals and their mm. big hands come in and say well this moves over here and then this flies out and then you walk down stage and you say these things and you go well, how's that how on earth is that gonna work
0: yeah yeah <laughs> oh my i love God. those little models those well, little I, it's, it's
1: brilliant i mean they're the a brilliant way of explaining the the, the sort of look of the show, but sometimes you do look at it and go, well, how 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 does that work? And it's only at the point in the tech when you go, oh, it's going to take three minutes to fly out, is it? Oh, right, because it's that heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what can we do, and how do we make that work? Well, we can't change physics. We can't change that. So you know, someone then says, well, maybe I come down stage and we put a little mini scene in of something going on here, or we need more time down here. Do we ask the audience to do something? And that's that's the fascinating thing. Um, and we've we've all got we've all got things like that, which we you know I suddenly realise I've got um, uh, one light needs to be in two positions in um, alternate cues, and you go, well, how do I how, how do I've got that? get around that then? And you find way and creative ways of doing it.
0: Um, I'm afraid I think we're going to have to bring it to an end, Mr. Hale. We're, we're no, approaching so. the end here. But I would what say I've actually, been
1: waffling on. I'm terribly no. sorry.
0: You've been doing this. It's it's been a really interesting conversation, actually, I think. So um, we've got about five minutes left. So to close, um, will you just kind of you've sort of uh, touched on it already. But anyone who's thinking about going into um, a younger person who's thinking about going into design or to stage management or to kind of get an education in in, in designing in, in any sense, do you have any advice for that person? if they're worried or scared or second-guessing
1: themselves don't be worried and scared um the most important thing is go see stuff don't have to go and see stuff in the west end although all mischief shows are available um but (laughs) (laughs) go and see stuff go and see stuff in your local theater go and see stuff um in on the fringe you know if you're living in london off west end theatres go and just see stuff and have an experience of going to the theatre and know what you enjoy and go and see stuff you've never thought you'd enjoy and you might you might be surprised so go and see lots of theatre um if you've got a local theatre get in touch with them and say hi i really interested in working backstage can i come and look backstage can i come and observe one day there are lots of options out there um, if you want to be in lighting design or projection design or want to be involved in lights and stuff, there are organizations you can you can contact or have a look at their websites. There's the Association of Lighting Designers, the ALD, um, which is all m- manner of people involved in lighting, um, get together, talk. There's online communities, forums, all sorts of stuff, and you get to see what's going on look at the drama if you want to go into sort of further education which is a great way and I would say I I, going back to where we started I did two years at a drama school there are lots of drama school courses that do all sorts of manner of technical courses now um, with degrees and all sorts of things at the end of it Um, I don't think anyone's ever asked me for a qualification in what I do and I trained in I trained in technical theatre. That's my eight. I've got an HND apparently in technical theatre. I don't think anyone's ever asked me to show that <laughs> qualification, because it's more about experience and making contacts with the real world. But those colleges do have contacts with the real world. So actually, going to college slash university slash drama school, you will have contacts, make contacts in the real world that will give you a chance to get a job. So a good kind of springboard
0: into the industry. Yes,
1: yes, it, it, and you will you will get opportunities within those courses. They will get people into light shows. They will get people into design and direct shows. That you will get an insight into the real world before you actually hit the ground running. So, the drama schools are out there. You know, um, there are some specific lighting design courses. Um, the only thing i would say with the specific lighting design courses are they don't necessarily give you lots of lots of opportunities to design purely there's a lot of project um uh classroom based projects um mm. it's about getting out there and doing it and experiencing it and trying stuff
0: getting stuck in, in getting
1: stuck world. in learning your craft um yes. you know it's about learning and craft um you know there, there's a lot of similarities to being an actor you know um you, are, you obviously got to be talented as an actor you've got to be talented as a designer or a stage manager but you mm. you got to have you also got a chutzpah to actually meet people and talk to people and find out what's happening And you say oh i can do that or i'd like to try that and you know chances are if you are the right person in the right place at the right time uh things will happen wonderful
0: well ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've been uh, Dave Hearn talking to the wonderful David Howe. Please do the D H squared.
1: We've never D H squared. there we go. That's what we'd be called. D H squared.
0: Our new new website. And (laughs) uh, yeah, keep an eye out for our uh, next podcast. And obviously, um, contact David on Twitter if you have any more questions, Uh, ladies and gents. Thanks for listening, and keep making mischief.